0: Thanks for being here. Let's begin. A lot of us will be familiar with those early learning educational tapes. You know, the ones that drove your parents crazy while they were taking you to school. Well, my guest today had a father with a different education in mind for his kid. One that required a completely separate set of tapes and set him up for his career by the time he reached high school.
1: In junior high, he was given the set tapes of famous closing arguments and jury psychology and would have me listen to them at different times. And I started working for the law firm in high school. I was doing law clerk oriented work in high school, you know, summarizing things, looking up things. They they had taught me how to do research and all of that. So by the time I got out out of high school, I would say I was well on my way to being a lawyer, to being a plaintiff's lawyer specifically.
0: My guest today is Gordon McKernan, owner of Gordon McKernan Injury Attorneys, LLC. Gordon has been running his firm since 1998 after taking over for his father, Jerry McKernan. Gordon and his team have over 50 lawyers handling all kinds of cases from defective products to personal injury. But the firm also plays an active part in the local community, hosting various giveaways and supporting more than 200 community programs. Join us as we discuss what it was like taking over the reins of a family business, how you and your firm can become more active in the community, and why you should always scrutinize your marketing strategy, even when it's working. That's coming up on the Rankings Podcast, the show where founders, entrepreneurs, and elite personal injury attorneys share their inspiring stories about what they did to get to the top and what keeps them there. I'm Chris Dreyer, stay with us. From the outset it looked like gordon's father definitely had dreams of his son following him in his footsteps and although other professions caught gordon's eye the variety of cases that his father introduced him to proved to be too alluring for gordon to, to resist
1: he was guiding and directing my past even while i didn't know it and, and i flirted with doing medicine in, in college but i was still working from the whole time he, but he let me figure it out he didn't force it but he had put enough put enough steps along the way and breadcrumbs to lead me down the trail. And just him talking about the stories of different trials that he had won and how exciting it was and how he got to learn different things along the way. So you might get a products liability airplane crash, right? And you had to had to learn how that works, right? And then the next thing, and you got a, a maritime rig explosion. So you had to learn about, you know, rigs and drilling. And he always talked about how interesting it was and challenging it was to learn these new things, master them, and then go go try a case on it. So, that always intrigued me. I was always worried I would get bored as a lawyer. You know, you hear the stories of right. sitting behind the desk all day.
0: Yeah, and imagine doing multiple areas of, of even PI would keep you on your right. toes when you get an interesting case. We spoke with uh, John Knockazel over Mike Morse Law Firm. He's their COO, and we recently had him on. And you know, he was talking about how founders of law firms become very attached to what they built and, and they find it kind of hard to give up the reins to someone else. So kind of how was that transition for you and your father? I'm just kind of interested in that aspect.
1: Oh, it wasn't easy. It was a uh, it was a long, arduous process for multiple reasons. One of them being that, you know, I he had groomed me into a trial lawyer and I'd started trying cases and tried a lot of cases with them. But I could see the shifting sands of how the business was was being realigned. I saw it early and was fortunate; to just kind of saw it and said, "We're going to compete. We got to go advertise." And uh, by this time, you know, he's in his mid sixties or whatever, and he didn't want to do it. You know, he was more respectable than that. And um, so, me shifting the firm from a a pure trial firm. To an advertising trial firm was a struggle for him, right? And just the whole thing that now we're advertising for business. And then with that, all of a sudden, you know, when you pour million dollars, millions of dollars into a campaign, I become better known than him just because I'm on TV all day, right? And, and although he was the lead trial lawyer and you know, president of this association, that he had always had a great reputation. It was hard for him as a, as a proud Proud warrior type to uh, accept that. Wow, my, my son is now becoming the the popular and famous one, and um, it was struggle. I got to be honest. That's what made him who he was. He didn't he didn't take a back seat to anything, and it was it was hard for him to take that back seat. But we did, you know, not without some bumps and bruises along the way in a father son relationship. But uh, it worked well in the end. It, he adapted, and you know, he passed the torch, so to speak, and we managed to work it out.
0: Awesome, awesome. Well, that's good to hear. And you know, so I, I was really curious in that. And you know, when the firm started, you you had kind of your handful of attorneys, and then fast forward, and now you have over 150 employees. So obviously, oh. advertising works. What What were some of those major milestones that come to mind in this trajectory, from not only a people standpoint but also a marketing standpoint?
1: Yeah, from the marketing standpoint, I remembered, and you know, it was kind of fool's gold but I remember the very first week we went on TV, and we got a call from a lady who had been injured in a, in a bad trucking accident. She flipped a coin to go with me versus my biggest competitor at that time. And she, she chose heads and I was heads and she flipped it. And you know, this case was, a, was almost a million dollar case right away, you know, when it's coming in the door. And uh, I was like, man, this is gonna be easy, right? The very first week I knew that I was already, already playing with house money or so I thought, but I learned quickly that they didn't come in like that every day. But it did give me a little a little capital, so to speak, to continue to say, all right, we're going to see through it because I know we have some money coming in. You know, milestones along the way, I guess, you know, everybody wants, you know, when do I bring in 1,000 cases in a year? When do I bring in 2,500, 5,000, 10,000? We passed all those milestones. This year, had COVID not hit, we would have done 10,000 cases. We were on target to bust through that had to pull back. So we've had some of those milestones, which were were great. You know, I always wanted to uh, get 50 plus lawyers, which we did. And we still have 50, even though we've had to pull back a little bit because of COVID. So that was a, a big milestone for us. 200 employees, which we had pre-COVID, I, can't, I think was a milestone. But, you know, I'm not going to attach myself to those milestones as much anymore um, post-COVID because it just kind of That's not the the thing I should focus on, how many employees we get and how many lawyers we get. You know, COVID scares you, as any business owner. When When you have millions of dollars going out in advertising and overhead, something like this gets you to focus on your numbers again, right? We've just been so blessed and fortunate that the growth came. We never had to worry about that. But we're a better company and we're better business people as a result of COVID.
0: Well, well, let's dive into that. So is it more like the attribution side of things and dialing that in, you know, whether it's a case management system like a, a Needles or Litify? Is that what's like, hey, we, we got a the age old saying, and I said this in the last podcast interview, but the 50% of our marketing is working, but we don't know what 50%. It's like, well, we got to figure out what that is.
1: Definitely. That's a big part of it. Trying to better understand why people are calling us and where it's coming from. When you have just phenomenal growth in any company just coming at you, you're just trying to absorb it, right? And you're hiring people and you're throwing bodies and money at the new growth. And you don't have the time to really sit back and study your business. COVID changed that. Right? When you go to work from home, everything's shut down you start looking, what the heck is going on here? I mean, why do we have these departments? How efficient is that? Um, Are we wasting money in this space? We were literally spending, you know, just stupid money on just PPC, right? We were just hundreds of thousands of dollars a month without regard for, is it really paying off? Because we could, but we've dialed back and we're more introspective and we're thinking through things better. And we're like, we're still in the midst of this process. We're changing from, needles to litify. And, and we've gotten some other more robust reporting programs, Datarama and things like that, that we're trying to better understand where we've been and where we're going.
0: That's incredibly important. I think, uh, you know, those, the continuous improvements, it has to occur. And I think this has allowed you to do those retrospectives and really dial in. So that's, that's great to hear. And uh, that's going to be really exciting. So, you know, once this kind of comes to an end, I know everything's changing, that you're gonna be able to know where to invest your funds and just continue to just rocket ship up. So that's just awesome. Gordon's plan to take his father's firm in a new direction and focus on putting out a strong marketing strategy worked. And where most would probably run with that success and reinvest in themselves, Gordon chose to reinvest in his local community. To date, Gordon has hosted Multiple car seat and bike giveaways provided free Christmas meals and his firm supports more than 200 community programs. Ask Gordon why giving back is so important to him and his firm. My dad
1: was always a very giving person, you know, he just had a big old heart and his his thirst for justice re- literally is was it was not normal. It was causes would come in the door and he just took them and he ran with them. And they were tough cases, but he always believed and given voice to things that didn't have it. So I guess I had that in my backdrop. And then I would say that my faith, my Christian faith, just being aware of the privilege and the blessings that I've had and the responsibility I think that comes with that. If much is given to you, much is expected type of attitude. You can't just take from something and not give back to the community at large. So I would think that those two things, just my dad's watching him always try to do right from a just reason, right? And so there's so many things that are that need help and that, that there's injustice in the world. And it could be just people need a gift, a helping hand. An organization needs some more funds or needs some people to volunteer for something. So I think those two things, just Christian beliefs as well as my father's example that he set
0: you know, i think those values that just it really comes across really natural that you're truly giving back you know i read somewhere that you have been doing bike and car seat giveaway since like 2011 or 12 for a long time now
1: probably 10 years and, and we usually give about four to 500 bikes away and we give car seats away so we're probably you know three, four or 5,000 bikes over the years given away yeah. where I give a Bible away at every settlement We're over 50,000 Bibles given away and the carsey giveaway. So that, yeah, that's part of it. Unfortunately this year with COVID, we're not able to do our bike giveaway. We're having to just give Christmas meals and Christmas dinners. It was too hard to figure out the safety of the winners of the bikes, um, during COVID times. Cause we do a big deal. It's not just oh, you come get a bike and you get out There's Santa, there's pictures, there's, there's all sorts of things to eat. And we have a petting farm thing. And so it's a big deal. And there's a lot of interaction between our office offices where it's all occurred and the people. And I just couldn't figure out a safe way to do that this year. So we put it off for a year. We'll hopefully do it again next year. And this year we're giving away about 300 Christmas dinners across the state where Literally, you just have to drive up in our parking lot. We're gonna walk out and put your meal in your trunk or your back seat and give you a few things and with, you know, with masks and gloves and you'll be safe and can drive off.
0: Well, that's awesome. That's awesome. Now, obviously not everyone can jump straight into giving away thousands of bikes or start funding hundreds of community projects but I wanted to find out from the expert what other lawyers and law firm owners could do if they wanted to start giving back to their community.
1: Just get started. Take that first step. Find something, and and I'd like to do it. I like to find causes that align closely with your values or your experiences of life. So cancer-based causes and Christian-based causes jump to me real quick because I'm a Christian and believe in supporting things like that. But my father had cancer, you know, my mother had cancer, my older brothers had cancer, so there's been some cancer in my family. So I tend to be a softie for those things, and it's really easy to just jump into that. And then you can partner with any one of those groups. Through the years, we've had different types of longstanding relationships and partnerships and, and do those things, but just reach out and then partner with them.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. And it's kind of shift into a personal here. So clearly you're really passionate about giving back to others. Uh, but how about yourself? What are some of the things that you like to indulge in kind of on your time off? Uh, what are some of your hobbies?
1: Well, you know, uh, I don't have a whole lot of time off. I'm trying to figure out how to do that more. And it's transition now that, you know, I'm, I'm basically an empty nester, obviously, pouring into my kids and their activities and their life. Uh, was an important thing. All of my kids were involved in dance or cheer or sports. So that was 20 years of my life. And now I'm trying to figure out kind of what to do next. I I love to fly fish. I love to be out west. Uh, I love to boat. When I'm fly fishing or I'm boating, my hands are on a wheel or on a fly rod. I can't answer a telephone. And I figured out that. And that's good for me. You know, it's good to disconnect when I, I like to play golf. But I have a lot of conference calls on the golf course. I've learned how to put that phone down while I'm hitting the ball and and still, you know, play good golf. So those are kind of my things, working out some. But when I work out, I'm on the phone the whole time. I have those AirPods in my ears, and I'm talking the whole time. So to truly break away, probably
0: boating and fly fishing. Yeah, you got to get away in those uh, areas that don't have the cell service. (laughs) And Gordon, as we kind of come to a close here, we do our three for three, which is just a quick fire round, three questions in three minutes. And I think you're going to know the, the first question here. But what is your top search engine optimization tip?
1: Higher rankings would be my my. my, my I did not pay point. you to say that. And you bring up good point because it's it's interesting how things wax and wane through the years. And years ago, it was all you know organic and SEO, and then PPC came along and. We kind of forgot about, you know, SEO and, and organic. And we were so focused on PPC and we were spending, we we didn't tend to that part. And we suffered as a result. And through some changes we've done, we realized it. And we jumped from the company we were with because they weren't, that wasn't their, their strong suit. We tried to go with another company that they were supposedly real good with it. And that didn't work. Then we were fortunate to, to find you guys. And uh, from everything that my tech people and marketing people are telling me that, we're on the right course and things are looking better. So, that would be my, my first
0: tip. Well, thank you for that. Thank you for that. And uh, which entrepreneur do you admire the most?
1: There are several that come to mind, you know, but, you know, on a big, big scale, Steve Jobs and what he did and his attention to detail and his attention to just breaking the mold. And I like to kind of, I think we've done some things in our world that have kind of broken the mold. And when you first got that, that first Apple product, And you open the box and you looked at the box and the packaging, you're thinking, how much money did they waste on that packaging? And that's what I remember thinking the first time. But think about it. It's so much different than any other experience you had when you were opening up a product or a package, right? And it made me think about how do we do our things? What type of promotional stuff and swag stuff do we give? So if you've ever seen our our promotional swag room, I would venture to say- Oh, I've seen it.
0: It's incredible it's like
1: any in the country, right? No other law firm that I'm aware of does anything like that. And that was kind of inspired by that same sense of awe when people settle a case and they come through our thing, they get to go on the shopping trip. They're more excited about the stuff in there than literally the check that they received. And it's kind of that same thing. So Steve Jobs, obviously great visionary and the big things, you know, the, the iPod and the, the watch and the phone, but that he would, have his company spend the time on the packaging like that. Just amaze me.
0: Incredible, incredible. And then what's, uh, what's the next thing on your bucket list? I know we talked about uh, the fly and What's the next thing on your bucket list? From a business perspective or just- Let's do both. Let's do a business and a personal.
1: The next thing on, on business, the bucket list, is to try to see if I can maintain the momentum and the cases that we have had coming in while being down 40 to 50% on our advertising overall spend, right, so when when COVID hit, I made the decision like literally quickly, early, early on, I cut 90% of my advertising budget, right? Millions and millions and millions of dollars. And then I slowly ratcheted it back up over the last six, seven months. And now we're at about 45% of our spend, which is an eight figure number that we're saving as a company, we're not spending. And I'd love to figure out if we can maintain the same calls and cases and leads while spending this much less. We obviously established a brand, very fortunate for that. So that's kind of, I'm intrigued by it. Can we continue that? That's kind of a, my big challenge. How can we bring all this new technology and all this new efficiency? Because we got rid of departments and, and we got rid of some dead weight and personnel. So all this has been a great cost savings for the company. But can we also maintain that goal of ten thousand cases while spending a tremendous amount less? So that's kind of the bucket list, uh, the immediate bucket list, uh, long term bucket list. it will be interesting to see if if one of my kids comes to to work for the firm, and if it doesn't, then what I might do. My personal bucket list is to figure out how to spend more time out west. You know, I just I love the mountains and. the and the scenery and the things and the activities, I'm very active, hiking, biking, you know, fishing. COVID forced us to realign and figure out things. And now that I know I can run my company virtually to some extent, obviously I need to be be there at times, but I'd love to be able to integrate that. Can I really run the company well and the company succeed while I'm out west Some Like most owners, we're, we work all the time. We're, we don't think anybody else can do anything at the company and we have to do every single thing But COVID made you delegate and you had to trust people because you couldn't be there. So I've got some good people and I'd love to be able to figure, all right guys, you run your departments, I'm still gonna run mine, I'm gonna be back and forth, but I'd like to spend some time and enjoy my life out West.
0: What a great conversation with Gordon. He's taken his firm from a one office operation to a practice with 10 locations and over 150 staff. His success is a real testament to what effective marketing can achieve. And I couldn't agree more with this comment on paying close attention to your marketing, even when things are going great. You've been listening to the Rankings Podcast. I'm Chris Dreyer. A huge thank you to today's guest, Gordon McKernan, for joining us. You can find all of the links from today's conversation in the show notes. And we want to hear from you. How do you get your firm involved in a local community? Drop us a review and share your thoughts. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.